Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hello and welcome to another edition of of the 66 to 87 podcast. I'm Tom Reed, joined as always by Dave Molinari, and we are going to ring out 2021 in the best possible way. Uh, We have a special interview coming up a little bit later with the legendary Mike Lang, uh, talking about his career, his love for the blues, uh, Sidney Crosby, uh, some statue of a mosquito in Manitoba that he and Dave are going to talk about. It's really enjoyable. I hope you stick around. It's going to be, it's great stuff. Uh, so please uh, listen to, listen, stick around to the third segment and listen to that. But Dave, we do finally have some hockey to talk about. I mean, we took a break last week for the Christmas, uh, the Christmas holiday uh, cheer here at DK Pittsburgh Sports. We didn't have podcasts. We didn't miss a game, obviously, because of the COVID situation. Uh, everyone knows that the Penguins have missed five games. There have been 80 games around the league so far that have bis- been postponed as this Omicron variant has come through and just wreaked havoc uh, with the schedule, with rosters. Uh, hopefully, we can start to get back to a little bit of normalcy right now as we speak. The game uh, for Sunday against the Sharks is on. So hopefully that will be good. The other good news, Dave, I think, is that the, the, the delay, while it certainly stinks to not have hockey, it's given some guys who have been injured uh, some chances to get back. And I think mainly of, obviously, Malkin, who's getting very close. We'll talk a little bit more about him in a second. Uh, Brian Rust and, and, and Jake Gensel. So when, this, when, this, when we get going with hockey again, those guys, that's five more games they're likely to, to be able to play as the season goes on. Yeah, I mean, that's half of your top six forwards, you know, so that uh, that that's pretty significant. Uh, yeah, Rust and, and Gensel at least certainly seem like they could be back as uh, as early as Sunday. And, uh, you know, the Penguins will need them considering that they are uh, now starting to uh, lose guys on a regular basis uh, because of COVID. Uh, you know, they, they had uh, fared pretty well before the Christmas break in that regard, but uh, <clears throat> they've really gotten hit pretty hard uh, during the, the past week. So, so getting some guys back uh, 
you know, will, will be a very good thing for them, especially, especially guys of that caliber. Yeah, and it goes without saying, this is going on throughout the league. It's going on throughout the, the world right now with the, the Omicron variant. Uh, the only, I guess, good news, if, that is, if there is such a thing with that, uh, is it's, while it's very highly contagious, it doesn't seem to be as serious, at least for those who have been vaccinated and had their boosters. Uh, so hopefully everyone can stay safe and, and get back into the arena and get back playing. Uh, Dave, as, as we record this, uh, uh, as we talked about, uh, Malkin, Gino Malkin is kind of back. He's been practicing, getting closer and closer. Finally met with the media on Wednesday, seemed to be in a very good mood. Uh, talked about wanting to play three or four years, more years. And I thought it was interesting. One of his comments, and again, you don't want to read too much into this right now because we don't know where, where this is going to go with him. But they were asking about, have you thought about your, your, your future contracts or contract negotiations? And he says, look, I'm, I'm rich. I'm already rich. And talked about how much he kind of likes this team and, and everything. Sounded to me like maybe he is going to be a little bit more amenable to taking a hometown discount if we get that far. Uh, did you hear that in him or, or just your thoughts of, of what he had to say on Wednesday? Well, I, I mean, I agree with him. I think he's probably made more money than he will uh, burn through anytime soon. Um, and, you know, even a, uh, a significant pay cut in his next contract, if he would take one, uh, would still leave him, you know, making a, a pretty handsome salary. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think it's conceivable that he would, uh, you know, at least consider doing that. He he does seem to have developed a, a genuine affection for for the area and uh, and of course for the franchise in the time he's been here. You know, obviously it's it's the only team uh, in the NHL with which he's ever been associated. Um, his agent probably winced a little when he heard. That, uh, <laughs> Malkin even you know broached the possibility of of a, uh, possibly a, accepting a, a lower salary, but you know, there, there's a, a lot of negotiating to be done, I think between now and whenever or wherever he signs his next contract. But, um, you know, that does, uh, does, you know, kind of, uh, bode well for the, for the people who would like to see him stay here now how high a level he could uh, play at in, in future seasons, you know, remains to be seen. We, we still don't know yet how he will play in the wake of this major knee surgery that he had during the off season. So, and I think the Penguins will probably want to uh, want to see that, see how he performs, how he holds up before they make any significant uh, decision of, about what role he might play in the future of the franchise. I could see him, Dave, maybe uh, we've seen toward the end of his career with a guy like Joe Thornton. Now, now Thornton has bounced uh, around a little bit, but I could see Malkin maybe if he wanting to stay and working it out, maybe taking a shorter term, even though the thought is to get to three or four years. Maybe he takes two years with the kind of understanding, this is the only place I'm going to play. Uh, and then just maybe go a year or two uh, to give the Penguins some cost certainty and then at the same time, allow him to continue to play with the franchise he loves. Uh, yeah, and I mean, I suspect that he has enough 
faith in Mario Lemieux, who obviously is is no longer a primary owner, but who I, I think will still be kind of the face of the franchise, you know, to to the players, that if, you know, Lemieux would give him some assurance that, you know, the, the Penguins would at least entertain the idea of of keeping him around after a short-term deal would expire that, you know, that might be enough to, uh, to get him to, to agree to uh, say a, a, a two-year contract. Um, obviously this is all speculative on, on our part, but you know, I, I, I could see that working out. Yeah. And he also obviously has a, a strong advocate in, in, uh, in 87 too, uh, his good friend, Sidney Crosby. So I could, yeah, I could definitely see that working out, but like we said, we'll see where this goes. I, I, I do think he, and there's always a little, uh, hyperbole when guys say, I feel my knee feels 200% better, but I do remember watching at the end of the last season when he came back and got hurt in that Boston game, he played pretty well in the playoffs, but it was clear he wasn't hundred percent. You're hoping after taking six months off that that knee is pretty strong. And it'll probably take him a little while in playing in games to build up a little bit of trust and, of course, obviously get his timing back. But I think we'll get a fairly decent uh, version of Malkin, albeit at age 35 or 36 or I don't know when his birthday is. But I I think he's going – I would think he would be fairly healthy uh, for the stretch run. He has certainly looked good in in practices. Now, you know, you you don't face the kind of rigorous checking in a practice that that you do when you're playing an opponent. You're you're not being physically tested the way you are in games. But I think you know, for the past several weeks, actually, he has looked in practices, whether, whether they've been with the team or in individual workouts with, uh, you know, other, other injured players or just skills coach Ty Hannes, uh, you know, he, he has looked fine, you know, uh, skating well, shooting well, doing everything you would expect of him. So, you know, I, I think there's reason, you know, for, for optimism about what he can contribute um, for the remainder of this season. As, you know, we don't have access to his medical information, not that we would understand it even if we did. Um, but, I mean, that will be the ultimate uh, determining factor, I think, for, for what he's able to do and when he's able to do it. But, you know, from from a layman's perspective, I really uh, do like what what I've seen from him. All right. Uh, when we come back, we're going to kind of take a look back at the entire year of 2021 and its totality. But also, please, as I mentioned at the top of the, of the broadcast, please stick around. We've got a, a great interview with Mike Lang coming up a little bit later in the show. Uh, so stick with us here on the 6687 podcast.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to the 66 to 87 pod, podcast. And as promised, in a little in a little while, we are going to be joined by uh, legendary broadcaster Mike Lang. And in a pre-recorded interview, uh, fans are really going to like it. Uh, some hockey, some non-hockey stuff. Uh, really, just in, always treasure time you get to spend in talking with Mike Lang. But uh, right now, uh, Dave, let's let's look back at 2021, and I don't I don't just mean the start of this season. Uh, which has obviously gone very well and just, let's be honest, better than expected with all the guys out. But just the whole year, it has been a year of some highs, a division title, uh, some lows, uh, uh, a first-round flameout where the goaltender really struggled. Uh, We've had an ownership change. Uh, We've had the two stars of the team miss the beginning of the 21-22 season. A lot has gone on here. So, uh, we're going to th- throw out a few questions and let's go bat them back and forth uh, when we look at, at, at 2021 in its totality. Uh, let's start with just this. What is the biggest storyline of this year uh, for you? When you look at the, this, 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 this whole year, what's the biggest storyline that people should come, will remember this by? Well, it, the one that will certainly have the, the most long-term significance, I think, uh, will be the sale of the franchise. Because I think that being purchased by the Fenway Sports Group pretty much guarantees uh, that the Penguins will continue to be operated uh, the way they have been for you know most of the past couple of decades, where uh, you know they are willing to spend to the salary cap ceiling, and and they have all the money they need to. Uh, to be competitive. And, uh, you know, that, that might not have generated the most, most spectacular headlines, uh, of 2021. Uh, but in terms of, uh, long-term impact, I, you know, that would certainly be my, uh, my choice. Yeah. And, 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 and there's, I think a lot of people would agree with you. And I, and I think this, I think there's some people change always scares people. Um, you know, but I think, uh, the the Rooney family uh, model going forward uh, is going to change. I think you're going to see more and more of these sports conglomerates as as it takes more and more money to run these franchises. I think it's going to become more the norm. I think you're going to see the, these big conglomerates starting to buy up other franchises. So I think before long, over the next 10 years, it would not surprise me to see this become very much the trend in all of pro sports in North America. Uh, we'll see how this goes. For me, I, I'll, I'll change it up a little bit. It, for me, the storyline, this is still a very good regular season hockey team. I mean, I think two years ago, going into the uh, going into the season, 
um, that there was there was questions there if this was a maybe a borderline playoff team in in the shortened uh, 21 season. Uh, and then, of course, this year we all know that this has been a this was a team that people thought it was a borderline playoff team again this year, especially with the injuries. But with this coach, and we talked about this last week, uh, it's Mike Sullivan and, and the leadership group at the top. This team continues to show that it can make the playoffs. And, and as we know, if you can get in, you never know what's going to happen. We saw it with Montreal last year. I think Dave and I agree that maybe the window on this on this on this group is kind of closing rapidly. Uh, some may say it's already closed, but the fact that this team continues to make the playoffs is is a tribute to, to the leadership group, the coaches, and and the and the management that runs this team. I think it's just it's been really interesting and really something to, to behold with this franchise. Uh, moving on, uh, most talked about player of the year. Uh, I'm not saying the best player. Uh, controversial player to you, to, to you, Dave, who has been the guy that's been most talked about by fans and media like this year? Well, I, I think it's the guy who has been both the best and worst player <laughs> at, at various times in the past 12 months. That would be Tristan Jari. Yeah. Who, uh, you know, was outstanding for a large portion of last season. And then, uh, was the obvious, uh, culprit uh for their first round playoff loss to the islanders uh, after which you know the the public was divided about his future some people thought he should be traded others thought he should be drawn and quartered in uh, market square <laughs> uh but he has uh rebounded from that and uh has been probably the the biggest factor in, in the success that uh, that they've had uh, through the first three months of, of this regular season and is a big part of the reason that you know they're uh, looking very much like a team that will uh, ag- again get into the playoffs despite the incredible adversity that they've uh, they've faced primarily through injuries uh, to key players um, to this point of the season. Yeah, hundred percent, Dave. Uh, one of the guys that we're hoping to have on this show here in the next couple of weeks and really to, to discuss Tristan Jari and what it's like to be a young goalie who kind of flames out in his first playoff. It bounces back is Mike Richter. Uh, we've been in contact with Mike. Uh, hopefully uh, Mike Richter will join us for, for longtime Penguins fans that remember the 92 cup where the Rangers were, kind of in control of that series at 2-1 with no Mario Lemieux. Uh, Richter gives up the horrible uh, center ice goal to to uh, Ron Francis, and they go on and win. And, and that there were some people in New York wondering, this guy, how could he possibly recover from this? Well, he ends up winning the Stanley Cup two years later, uh, one of the best American goalies. So it happens, and Tristan Jari's hoping that he's kind of writing a similar story. All right, biggest newsmaker of the year. Uh, for me, I'll go first because Dave's already touched on this. To me, it's John Henry and, and the Fenway Sports Group. Uh, I mean, what a, uh, again, as Dave mentioned, what a story. Uh, I think one of the, the, the things that makes me feel good if I were a Penguin fan is the success that they have had in winning titles uh, with his two other franchises, the Boston Red Sox, that have won, I, I've lost track, like four or five World Series uh, for a team that couldn't win a title for about 80 years, and then Liverpool, 
uh, in the English Premier League, uh, breaking through and winning a title, winning a Champions League title. So they have had a good string of success at Fenway Sports Group. And I think it bodes well for the future of this franchise. Dave, for you, who's the biggest news newsmaker of 2021? Well, as usually with the Penguins, there's no shortage of candidates. But when you consider the, the ripple effects that were generated by this individual and what he did, uh, I would go with uh, Jim Rutherford mm, and his resignation in, in late January that Obviously, uh, spawn changes, uh, you know, high up the, the food chain with uh, Ron Hextall and uh, Brian Burke coming in. Uh, you know, that, that, that was a, uh, a major shock to the, uh, to the system for, for that organization. So, and, you know, the, uh, the aftershocks of that will, uh, will continue to, to rumble through for, uh, for quite a few years, I believe. So I, I would give the nod to him, but as, as I mentioned, you know, there's, there's never any shortage of, uh, of candidates for that distinction with, with the Penguins. Here's an interesting one. Player of the year. Again, we're going 2021, not just a season. And I think in, in most years, it would probably be one or two people. It would be Sidney Crosby or it would be Evgeny Malkin. Uh, Malkin has not played in this season. Uh, Crosby came in late this season, uh, obviously had a good, good season last year, but I'm interested, Dave, uh, could it be, could, could your pick be someone, not one of those two players? As a matter of fact, it could be. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, I, I would go with Jake Gensel, who I think has established himself as, uh, one of one of the best goal scorers in the game uh, was on uh, quite a roll uh, right before he got a uh, a broken knuckle blocking a shot in in Seattle on uh, on December sixth. He had uh, seven goals in in four games uh, when he left the lineup, uh, and as I say, he is he has just established himself as as one of the the top goal scorers in the game one of the most reliable and and the, you know the the something that's you know might get overlooked about him is is he he's not just a a one-dimensional guy um he's he's a, a pretty good two-way player his his goal scoring is always going to uh uh generate the headlines i think but uh he's a guy that i that i would trust in in just about any situation yeah, I, I agree with you. I think I think that's the pick, and I think it's interesting in going forward. Obviously, uh, the two men that we mentioned earlier are always going to be the co-faces of the franchise, with Crosby leading the way. But let's be honest; they're young, or they're not young anymore. Uh, Gensel seems to be the guy that, as this team gets uh, moves along in the next two, three, four years, would seem to be the guy that would be uh, really uh, be be the top goal scorer, that top player uh, that you need as through a transitionary period for them. And, 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 and I like the, the thing I've liked about Gensel is, is always not only is he's quick, a good player, but he seems to even be more around the net this year uh, running into goalies. I mean, that's not necessarily his game, but for a guy who's not very big uh, has shown uh, the willingness to go to the net. We see him tip a lot of pucks. 
uh, getting in the crease. I think his game is evolving, and, and that is a really good sign for this franchise. All right. When we come back, as promised, uh, we will be joined uh, by the one and only Mike Lang uh, for a pre-recorded interview. Uh, please stick with us here on the 66 to 87 podcast. Six to eighty-seven podcast, and as promised, uh, joined by the legendary Mike Lang, uh, just one of the great broadcasters in any sport. And as Penguins fans, just delighted to have this guy on radio and television for so many years. As with our own Dave Molinari, a hockey Hall of Famer, and rightly so. Uh, Mike, how are you doing, and how how are you enjoying retirement so far? Uh, well, we're doing pretty well. Enjoying it. You know, I, I kind of made the decision that uh, 50 years in the broadcasting business and hockey was enough for me. Uh, you know, carrying those bags for all those years. Uh, you know, in the early days, just so you know, there were no wheels for bags. You carry everything. So, <laughs> it was, uh, uh, as you guys are well aware with your travels even today. Uh, but I just thought it was time uh, to uh, step aside let some of the young folks come in uh, and take a chance at uh, making a name for themselves and uh, enjoyed every minute that I, that I put in the broadcast booth and uh, the response, especially from Pittsburgh and wherever I was really in Phoenix and, and in San Diego before I came to, uh, to Pittsburgh. So it's, it was a fun run. Mikey, are, are you telling us that you were broadcasting before the wheel was invented? It almost <laughs> seems like that, David. It does. <laughs> But, uh, you know, it's it's interesting because, uh, you know, I grew up in the era just after the the great ones were really in the in the field of radio. And you have to understand when I came to Pittsburgh, our games were radio only. I know that's hard to believe radio only <laughs> in the 70s. However, when I came to Pittsburgh, we were on KDKA radio, which was one of, I think, 13 50,000 watts uh, clear channel stations, which means nobody's on that frequency. So KDKA goes to 38 states and to Canada. And so in the heyday, that was a major, major, this was a top 10 market, uh, the city of Pittsburgh. Uh, one time, I think even got down to nine as far as uh, the uh, uh, television broadcast business. But for me, it was a major step up, an opportunity to be uh a part of something great. And we had some great people here. And uh, so that's how it started uh, for me. And uh, it, it just gave me, once I got a little confidence in going, uh, that ability to kind of roll with it. And uh, I put my dues in and, and fortunately realized that I, I, I had, I'd accomplished enough in four years. Once I got here, I was a little nervous, but it came very rapidly that I was doing basically the same thing, but just a different place and with a little bit more uh, of attention. So that's where it all kind of started. And uh, of course, when Davey came in, just about that time, the satellite was invented. And that kind of <laughs> changed the scope of everything. 
and uh, they went to a lot of television games. And what we ended up doing, uh, we used to broadcast, I think, six six TV games a year uh, prior to their satellite coming, is that we started uh, simulcasting. Now, I had done simulcasting in the minor leagues in Phoenix and San Diego, and we Im implemented it here and worked with it. And so for years, because everything was on landlines uh, for, for a lot of it, but uh, we were still able to, to, to match them up. It got a little tougher with as many satellites that were up there to continue that. But uh, so we were able to do it. And with KDKA, this was a pretty powerful uh, television market and radio market for uh, the NHL. Uh, Mike, you you mentioned great broadcasters. Was was there one or two play-by-play -play guys uh, that you particularly enjoyed uh, listening to? Well, the guy that kind of uh, growing up had probably the biggest influence on my life is a gentleman by the name of Bill King. Uh, Bill King was the announcer for the San Francisco Warriors in the NBA and also for the Oakland Raiders. Uh, so I became very attached to those two teams and the San Francisco Giants uh, with Lon Simmons uh, as a broadcaster. And uh, also Vince Scully was, of course, in baseball. Uh, but those guys had some big influences on, on me. And Bill King was more of what I became, I think, as a style. Uh, more of a rapid type of guy with, with quick little quirks. And uh, he used to use a phrase, Davey when something big happened and uh, it was an amazing guy. He just said, Holy Toledo. And that just sent chills down my spine as a kid when I would hear him and even in the early years of college. And I said, if I ever get in this business, if I can do it, if I can do it, I'm going to have some of my own. And uh, lo and behold, my first job was in Phoenix. And I worked with a gentleman there who became my mentor, uh, Al McCoy. And Al McCoy is the longest tenured NBA announcer in, uh, in the history of the game, still doing games for the Phoenix Suns at uh, 88 years of age. And uh, he was my mentor, and he used a couple of phrases there. So I was in the right place there. Uh, went to San Diego for one year, hoping to, to go in the National Hockey League and baseball. But uh, we got wavered away by the WHA, and I had to scramble and find a job, and I ended up coming to Pittsburgh. And I think the rest is pretty obvious. I mean, I think the guy upstairs had something to do with where I went because there are many, many crazy guys here that use phrases. Huh. <laughs> Rosie Rosewell, Bob Prince, Myron Cope. I mean, the list is a mile long, and it was just to say, listen, I know where I'm going to send you. You're going to go to Pittsburgh, PA. <laughs> Mike, that provides a great segue into, into my qu next question for you. Uh, obviously, everyone loves you, loved your sayings, and, 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 and such, sometimes the, 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 the style and, and flair you brought to your broadcast. But I think what a lot of hockey fans appreciated was your anticipation, almost like a player. I mean, in listening to your broadcasts, especially on the radio when we, we didn't get to see it, you seem to anticipate something happened. I can remember so many times where you would be saying, all of you dancing out there on the ice. Sorry, I'm doing your invitation here. But you, you could just sense that something was coming. And sure enough, about 30 seconds or 45 seconds later, whether good or bad, it happened. How did that come about with you? Well, I think it's experience uh, more than anything, uh, Tom. And uh, 
I, I think it's applicable to every facet of life. Uh, you as a writer, as a broadcaster or anything, to be successful and really be good at something, you have to learn to anticipate. And once you do that, it, it just kind of comes to you much more easier uh, than, than kind of fighting it to try and learn and try and go on. So I think that everybody has that capability and everybody does use that a lot in their daily chores or whatever work that they're involved in. It just comes with experience and maybe the want to want to be, be better. But when you see as many games as I've seen or had seen, uh, you certainly start to get feel for, for situations. And uh, there's nothing better when that, uh, when it happens, when you kind of feel it and you, you know, so it's, they've been going here, they've been going the last minute and a half there. They go, you know, and to have it happen, it's a good feeling inside too. Uh, and, and it makes the color guy go, wow, how'd you know that? <laughs> <laughs> but it's all part of the package. And uh, I've been blessed to be able to do a lot of that at times. I've been wrong sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's hard to believe, Mikey. Uh, you uh, you broadcast games from dozens of cities, including some that don't have franchises anymore. Yeah. Uh, do you have a favorite road city? And, and, and if so, why? Well, I, I think that uh, my, my, my favorite road city, I, there's so many of them, Davey. I mean, I'm into the blues music, and you know that. And so I didn't get it back until the early 90s. But there are a lot of places in uh, in Canada that really shocked me of all the blues places that they had. So, I mean, favorite cities, I had uh, a lot of them. Certainly Chicago would stand out right there as far as what I love to see. Great hockey, great building, and uh, great blues. Uh, so those are, you know, little notes that, that from a selfie standpoint – I personally enjoy going there. From broadcasting, uh, there was nothing like the old garden in Boston. I mean, working it right down next to the ice and in a perfect position, although every single night you work, you came came back to the to the hotel drenched in, in beer and not by, <laughs> excuse me, by design, but it's the way the seats were set up that the people had no place to put their drinks. So they would put them down to their feet and then the game would get going and they get excited and they kick the pierce over hmm. and it would all leak down into our booth on the, on your back. So I learned very quickly in the garden, uh, leave your suit jacket <laughs> in the, in the press room. And when it's all done then go back and pick it up because <laughs> <laughs> it was soaked for so many nights uh, in that building. So that was, you know, location wise, you could hear the players talking and yelling at each other and, uh, that that's that's real intimate, and it's uh, and you're able to call the game at a pretty good pace. Uh, as far as comfort's concerned, uh, that Atlanta building, uh, the new Phillips building, was home oh, luxurious uh, to sit in and work and the sound system. I really enjoyed that. Uh, that and uh, I would say the the Rose Bowl. I did soccer too. I had a chance to work a game there, a playoff game, in what they called the NBC booth for the Rose Bowl and uh, oh, that view and, and everything involved in it was as beautiful as anything I've ever seen in a broadcast situation. And it was so enjoyable to do. So those are some of the highlights. All the old buildings, of course, all have their particular moments and uh, what they offered. Uh, 
you know, it made me think, Davey, because I'm going to do a little uh, piece here for the radio network about the old buildings and what, very quick, but what stands out to me. And I was thinking about, okay, Maple Leaf Gardens. Well, almost impossible to get to the radio broadcast booth in the old days. You had to walk up through the stands all the way to the top. Then you had to climb a ladder up to the next level with your bag, put it over the edge, and then walk a catwalk down into another booth where me and Foster Hewitt, in my early days, mm. uh, did, did some games. Uh, his son there. So that was uh, interesting. And, but what I remember too about Toronto and particularly Montreal is the, I want to say airline stewardesses. And Davey knows what I'm talking about. They had the most beautiful usherettes in both of those cities you could ever imagine. And they were dressed to the T in outfits that resemble the, the highest class stewardesses uh, that you'd ever see in the color of blue and in the Canadians with red, uh, white, and blue. And they and guys, people would just, I mean, just watch this, this. All these people would just be geared in on the beauty of what, of the women of that era. And uh, so I do remember that. I don't know if Davey does, huh. what you would see in those buildings. Uh, Mikey, you, you touched on some places where you like to, to work games. What's, <clears throat> what's the worst broadcast location you can remember? Davey, I remember that uh, when the New York Islanders, the old Nassau, was first built, uh, and, and we used to work downstairs, and they told everybody they were going to have to go upstairs. Now, we actually work radio across from where it was now. I mean, you're familiar with it, all the way to the top, which is not too bad, actually, a thing. But uh, we, we moaned and cried to go to that level, which is a nice level now to work at. You know what I mean? Okay. Comparatively to other buildings. But I would think the Hartford building uh, probably takes the cake mm-hmm. as far as tough, tough, tough place to work. That was in the rafters in the early 80s and it stayed until they left. Uh, almost an impossibility to get up there and get in just as tight as can be. Uh, that was some, some, some tough times doing games and being able to see through all the, 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 uh, things that they had, the, the, the walkways and, and everything to try and call the game. That was a challenge, but we got through it. <laughs> <laughs> Mike, obviously you were around for all five of, of the cup winning teams here. Uh, was, was there a player during your tenure as a broadcaster who you wish could have gotten a Stanley Cup ring but didn't? Boy, Davey, I thought about that, and uh, I, I don't know off the top of my head if there's anybody that really stood out to me that didn't get a ring. Uh, and that's not fair because I haven't had a chance to look at the rosters, and I probably could give you an answer yeah, or two, one or two players. But there were certainly guys that contributed uh, mightily to the Penguins winning cups uh, that did not uh, get a ring because I didn't qualify the number of games played for the year or, you know, in the playoffs, if you play one game in the finals, you're in. Uh, so, but uh, I do think that uh, when I look back at the rosters, when, when the guys that are on that, on the cup, I mean, just when you look and see that, you look at every guy and you start thinking about his contribution to the team. And there's so many guys, but all of them did in some way, shape or form. 
contributed to them winning the cups. And that's it's impressive to look at those those uh, names on the cup and, uh, and and refresh your mind once in a while. One guy that maybe uh, Mike, maybe you could speak to. We we just uh, last year, of course, was the anniversary of the 30 year anniversary of the first cup. And in yeah. talking to some of the players, Ron Francis and some guys, especially one of your, your old, uh, the old, your old uh, broadcast mate, the two niner, one name that does come up was John Cullen. And obviously Cullen did not get his name on the cup, yeah. but those guys were saying that he was one of those guys. If he wasn't playing as well as he was in that season, 90, 91 season, they might not have been able to make the trade that they made. Oh, I agree. Uh, and I'll tell you, that was a, a lot harder trade than uh, than people remember. I mean, a lot of people, it, there was a lot of shock about that trade and the Penguins not being able to uh, to make good with it. But, I mean, obviously it turned out for the better uh, for the Penguins as a team. But certainly Johnny Cullen, uh, it would be right there front and center. And uh, forgive me for not remembering that, but certainly he, uh, he contributed so much. I mean, he, he basically that year for the first half of it, uh, was the Penguins? I mean, he yeah. did everything with what they what he did, uh, and that's why it was it was valuable to Hartford because they they looking for a guy, you know, to carry carry them. And Ronnie Francis had fallen out of favor with the owner there, uh, or for some strange reason, uh, and they wanted him uh, to be moved. And the Penguins had an opportunity uh, to pick him up. And Craig Patrick, to his credit, made the deal. And all those guys that came here all contributed. Uh, Mike, as, as we record this uh, for, for this coming weekend, uh, the big story in Pittsburgh is likely Ben Roethlisberger's last game as a Steeler oh. in Pittsburgh. Uh, the last time that they went from a, a Hall of Fame quarterback, it took them about 20 years uh, to get to Ben Roethlisberger, from Bradshaw to Roethlisberger. Uh, the Pittsburgh Penguins, when Mary Lemieux is getting ready to retire finally for the last time, uh, here comes Sidney Crosby. And we've talked about this on the show before, but I want to get your, your thoughts on just how this franchise was able to go from Sidney Crosby or from Mario Lemieux to Sidney Crosby, two of the great top 10, maybe top five players of all time. Well, you're missing a big one there too. 68. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, for sure. Yeah. So he's been, in my opinion, one of the top 10 players to ever play the game. So the, how blessed has this city been Really, when you look at it, uh, they have five cups, but they've had some pretty good people play here uh, on a on nightly basis. Uh, you can't ask for anything more. I don't know if you can ask for anything more, except the reincarnation of of uh, Mario's first grandson, who is apparently or grand grandson, hopefully it is, uh, to take over the franchise <laughs> down the road. So uh, you know. All of those people, it, 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 when it, the Kingpin is from center ice to uh, working with Lemieux and Crosby uh, and Yager, certainly um, just to have the caliber of player in your lineup night after night. I honestly feel that it gave the Penguins a one nothing lead in every game that they played. So that's what they meant to this franchise. Uh, uh, Mikey, uh, Obviously, there were the five cups that you saw this team win. You also saw a couple of heartbreaking losses in the playoffs. Is is there one of those that that kind of stands out to you that was was really disappointing? Well, I would say the Islander one in uh, 
Is it 81 or 82, Davey? Help me out. I uh, see that would have been 82, I believe. I think yeah. 81 was the Blues. Yeah, 82. We lost to the Blues the year before and uh, in a three-game uh, matchup. And then we had the Islanders, the first team in the playoffs that year, on a five-game set. And Davey remembers it, and the people of Pittsburgh do. The first two games of the series, the Islanders just smoked the Penguins. I mean, they drove them right out of the building. It was so bad that the owner of the team, Ed DeBartolo, senior, told the people for the games that were scheduled in Pittsburgh, come and get your money back. And he did. He not, not, not lying. Told him to come and get your money back. But the Penguins weren't done. And they won two games there. Uh, it was around Easter. And they had forced a fifth game. And that was going to be in New York. And the Penguins in that game led 3-1 to one in the third period. John Tonelli took over, scored the tying goal, scored the game winner in overtime. And that one probably hurt me more than anything. They were right on the cusp of knocking off the champions, and they couldn't quite get it done. And uh, I, I just remember sitting outside the locker room on the floor and uh, just not saying a word. I was just so, so, so hurt inside that they lost that game. Uh, and that's never affected me any other time that I'd been there, but I remember that game, David, more than any. And then somebody from the Islanders came by. The guy said, your guys played well. <laughs> <laughs> I, I didn't have the heart to even answer it. I just uh -huh. sat there. And by, uh, by later that night, we were fine. But that was a disappointing loss for the Pittsburgh Penguins. Uh, and Mikey, we'll save the toughest question for last here. Uh, because I know it's a long list you're, you're going to be picking from. Uh, what was your favorite documentary about a mosquito statue in Manitoba that you watched in a press room at Le Colisee in Quebec? Well, the thing that stood out to me more than anything, we, uh, Mr. Molinari and myself, Tom, asked the people in the press room, and they were so good to us, weren't they, Davey? Yes, oh, they certainly they were. Just, Ask them if we could, you know, this is there for speak French, pretty much all French. If we could change the channel to, I think it was an NFL playoff game. I think it might have been an NCAA basketball right. tournament okay. game, I believe. We asked them because we were looking at this and we saw, we couldn't understand what it was about. And they said, oh, no, 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 no. So there's Davey and myself uh, partaking in a after game drink and watching this, this, documentary on the statue in the city in Manitoba and how big it is and how people come from miles around to see this giant mosquito statue. One we will never forget, David. <laughs> <laughs> and one that it's still talked about. You can look it up online, folks. You can find out where is the biggest statue of a mosquito and they'll direct you right to Manitoba. <laughs> well, well mike we we thank you so much for your time and certainly uh i'll just say it for the all the penguin fans that listen to us thank you for all the great years you have provided us and whatever you're going to do uh here coming up doing some little stuff for the radio whatever contributions you make for the penguins i think everyone has appreciated your work over the year uh we hope you really enjoy your retirement my goodness it's been well earned well, thank you, Tom, and thank you, Dave. Uh, you know, I, I can go through a whole list of things. I can tell you to keep smiling like a butcher's dog. 
But I'll just end <laughs> by saying, Lang has left the building. <laughs> <laughs> There's no segue for that. Uh, from the great Mike Lang, with the great Dave Molinari, this is Tom Reed, and that's this week's edition of the 66 to 87 podcast. Good luck to the guest who has to follow that next week. See you next week, folks.